0: It's good to be together and continue to worship the Lord and uh, thank Him for all that He is, all that He has done. Uh, we are here today. Um, we're going to spend some time looking at uh, the uh, persecuted church. Today is the international day of prayer for the persecuted church. And so we do want to look at that and remember our brothers and sisters around the world. But at the same time, I also want to tie that in to what we've been looking at in the book of Romans and talking about what uh, God has done for us and in us, uh, what he wants to continue to do. And so we want to relate that together uh, as, as we look at this time here. But as we begin, what I want to do is show a a short little video here. This is from Voice of the Martyrs uh, about a a church in Pakistan and some of the things that our brothers and sisters are facing there. (music)
1: Hallelujah! Hallelujah! हालेलुया कद्दूस kadus, कद्दूस बलफा जमीन आसमान के खालुक मालिक तेरा शुक्र दा करते इस प्यारे मौका के लिए जितने मनस में बख्श दिया तेरा शुक्र दा सुबह के लिए
2: Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. Left for us is servitude, sewage work, and we know we will never advance. have a church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you.
0: is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. So why don't we pray together? I'm going to ask you to join me quietly in your heart. and Let's just bring these dear ones even here before the Lord. We don't know them by name. Uh, We see their faces. Uh, Let's bring them before the Lord. Father, we do want to bring these dear ones before you. Um, I've had a chance to see this several times, and every time I'm struck by First of all, how hard they have to live, and secondly, uh, their absolute confidence in you yet. And so today, we want to pray for them. We do pray, as they've asked, as uh, Pastor Fossil has narrated there, has asked us to pray, that uh, their fellowship together will be sweet and will be uh, continuing to grow, that their joy in the Lord will be real and sweet, uh, that they will persevere. Persevere even in the hard things and the hard times and what they face. God, we read in the news of hard things happening in Pakistan, and we pray for these dear ones. Uh, We see them, we see their names, John, Samuel, Paul, Sarah. God, would you just work a special work of grace even for them today? Would you give them encouragement? Uh, Would you please help them to know that today, people around the world are remembering them? and to remember that you are absolutely true and absolutely faithful, and that you will help them hold on to you. Help Pastor Fossil as he leads these dear ones, that you will give him words to say, wisdom, and listening to your spirit, that they might have an impact even on their community, that others will see and hear and know the reality of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As I said, what I want to do here is relate some of this, uh, of the things going on with the persecuted church, uh, and, and relate that to us. We don't face a lot of persecution here in the United States. We might in some ways, but not a lot. Not like they do in Pakistan. We'll look at uh, North Korea, some other places. But, um, but we do have hard things in our lives, Right? I mean, all, all of us, there are things that we face sometimes that are just really, really hard, we don't understand, and, and part of what we look here with this whole life of faith, the same principle is very true. Now, I want to say that if you're here today or if you're listening online, that um, sometimes this doesn't make a lot of sense to people who do not believe, who are not followers of Jesus. And I just want to say to you, if, if you're here and you, and you don't know Christ as your Savior yet, I want you to understand that, that what you hear and what you see here is still really God at work. We understand Him to be working, and we know that. We know that those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've come to Him by faith. We understand that, that our whole life in Him is wrapped up in faith. And we know that, we understand that, and we believe and absolutely are sure from the Scripture that because of our sin, our sin has separated us from God. There is evil in the world. There is bad in the world. You know that. And, and Jesus has come and he paid the penalty for that sin, for, for you and for me. And the Bible says, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those that believe on his name. And, and those of us who have done that, who have embraced Christ, who have put our faith in him, Uh, We understand something, a little bit at least, about living by faith in because we trust him. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know that, I want to encourage you first of all to look at Christ and who he is because even in all these hard things and all the the, the sadness that goes on in life here and around the world, that I would say absolutely Jesus declares that he is the one who is the rock. He is the one who we can hold on to. And that's what we're going to look at here today. I mean, we have the theme here that we've been talking about, sola fide, and that is that the, that we have come to faith in, uh, in Christ. It is by faith alone. That uh, we, we have not done some sort of work to gain merit before God. It is entirely because of what he has done. And that's how we've gained righteousness. And, and Paul writes, he, he continues on with that. In the book of Colossians, just a, a quick little um, Uh, Look here, Colossians chapter 2, in verses 6 and 7, he says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so as you've done it, he's talking about faith there, since you've received him by faith, "Um, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The whole heart there is, and the whole message there is, you have come to faith in Christ, that is, that is how you have been redeemed. And now, continue to walk that way. Live in him. Live in faith. Move in that direction. That's what he says here. So, we want to challenge our hearts to see what it means a little bit to live by faith. Not just as an intellectual exercise or not just doing church, but real life, true life, real living. I think it certainly relates to Pastor Mark's message last week in Romans chapter 6, verse 13 there, you know, where it says that, that we are to offer ourselves to God. Remember the line in the sand sort of thing, that, that we're making a choice, a decision. I think it relates to that, absolutely. And what we learn about faith in times of persecution and the things that we look at here in a little bit can also help us live at our lives of faith, no matter where we are, with the hard things, maybe with the easy things, with the stressful things, with the good things, as our life. We just live our life because we're willing to trust who God is. Writers of the New Testament understood that people were being persecuted for the faith. I mean, Peter writes in his two letters, both there, he's writing to people who are being persecuted a lot. And, and part of his message is, he said, make sure that you're not getting persecuted because, this is my rendition, because you're an idiot. That's not what he, he said, not because you're living wrong or, or you're angry. or don't, don't be persecuted with that. If you're going to be persecuted, make sure that you're being persecuted for living righteously before God, for doing good, for honoring Christ, letting that be part of your life. okay. That that is what lifts up the name of Christ. And he warns them, and he gives some instruction and encouragement. John writes, as he writes in Revelation there, and as he writes about the seven churches there, the church of Smyrna especially, he writes there and says, you are going to be persecuted. You are persecuted because you have stood strong for Christ. And the writer of Hebrews, as he ties uh, the passage we're going to read here, persecution and suffering of the brothers and sisters there, he ties it to a life of faith. And, and and it comes then to that great chapter 11, that whole, we would call it the, the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith. And it's centered around persecution and hard times. So we're going to read that. We're going to look a little bit here. Hebrews 10, we're going to start, verses 32 to 39, and then on for a little bit. I believe it's up here on the screen, uh, or you can follow along in your Bible, and I have to admit, I... Forgot to see what page number it was, uh, if you have it there. Um, he says this by the Spirit of God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood by side, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Your need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, and here he quotes Habakkuk, the prophet, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Then he says this, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Verse 1 of chapter 11, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jumping to verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then jumping over to chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I only have through 12 uh, through 2 here, but I'm going to read through 3. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I want to look here just at this part of Hebrews just to tie that in here. And and to do that, I want to give a little bit of overview of Hebrews because I think that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me as understanding why he wrote the way he did. The writer of Hebrews is writing to those who are of Hebrew heritage or Jewish heritage. They had come to faith in Christ. And now they're wondering, what is this all about? What is life like? And the writer says there, first of all, the theme is the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. Uh, all the way as, as the revealer of God's grace, as the mediator of God's grace, as the one who provided eternal salvation. It could be called the book of better things, because the word uh, better or superior is used at least uh, 15 times in the book. And the writer uh, looks at eight or yeah eight different Old Testament passages, and as he looks at those and talks about what it's like, he relates that to their journey of faith. And in that... He also gives some very practical help of what it means to walk in, in, in a way of life and where Christ really is the one who is supreme, where Christ really is the one who is better. He says this, there is no turning back now uh, to our old Jewish system. There's, we can't do that because Christ now has come. Christ is the better way. He is the one that we want to focus on. He, they have to consider now that because of Christ— his, because of his death for us that paid the penalty of sin because of the resurrection because of his ascension that now we have a way as he puts it into the true sanctuary of God's presence he's writing to them help them understand that they have put aside their, their Jewish heritage in the sense of their religion and have embraced Christ and what it looks like and it's not necessarily easy And they have some questions. And as he writes these things, he wants them to understand how great Christ is. And in this book, he also gives five warnings. And the warnings are especially for his readers uh, to not follow after the way of the Israelites who had rebelled against God, especially in their wilderness wanderings. Now, I'm I'm telling you all that because what we've come to here then, seeing the supremacy of Christ and everything, what what we read here is just after the fourth morning, the fourth warning, very simply, is don't, don't leave the Christian assembly. It's been hard. There are people who are persecuted. He said, don't leave the Christian assembly. Don't go off on your own. Don't just live for yourself. Don't even use, become an, an apostate, that is, rejecting Christ. Don't do that. And then he says, the reason is because remember. Remember what has happened. He reminds them of what they had experienced and what the heart of faith looks like. And so from here all the way through the beginning of chapter 12, 12 he is really talking about remember this and remember what faith looks like. So the first thing, I'm, I'm going to title each one of these remember. The first one is remember standing firm. Remember what you were before. You, you have really stood firm. And the first one, you stood firm for the message. And as they have come to to faith in Christ, they have embraced the cross. They now understand the message of the cross, and they have stood for that. They understand the grace and the mercy that comes with that. They understand that the Old Testament sacrifices were just a picture of what Christ was going to do. His way is superior. His way is eternal. His way is right. And they stand for that, and they have stood for that. He said, not only you stood firm for the message of the cross, you stood firm for the message of faith. The fact is that keeping of the law or or anything like that is not what has brought you to God. That the works, it's, it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And they stood for that. They stood firm for that message, for the cross, for faith. They stood firm for the message of Christ. That he is superior in every way. They, they see that. They begin to see that in, in so many good ways. They understand that he is the true and absolute real redeemer. And they have stood for that. So he says, look, first of all, just remember, that you've stood for this message. You need to continue to stand. You stood for that. The, the other part, you, you stood firmly with other believers, you know, there are others standing there and, and they have questions too. And they've been persecuted too. And they've had hard things happen to, to them as well. And, and you're standing together. It's a, it's a spirit of unity, of solidarity. It's a heart of encouragement. You know, if you've ever been at a place where things are hard and things are coming down on you and somebody just to come up to you, you know, and put an arm around you or, or, or say, uh, you know, brother, sister, I'm praying for you. Uh, let me encourage you. You know what that means. You know how that lifts you up. And that's what he's saying. That's what you've been doing. It's that heart uh, of of really standing for each other. Uh, Many of us have seen seen the movie uh, uh, Band of Brothers. In in there, it's World War II, soldiers, uh, 101st Airborne. But one of the things, one of the guys relates at one point is that within all the battles and the things that they're doing, uh, he, he said, what's in his mind as that happened, he's not thinking about that I'm fighting for freedom, although he is. He said, I'm not thinking about, I'm standing against this evil Nazi regime, although he was. He said, what's going through my mind, who I'm fighting for, what I'm fighting for right now is the person on my right and the person on my left. I mean, that's that heart that I think the writer of Hebrews is talking about, and standing firm with others. We've got a common goal, we've got a common cause, and look, I am standing with you. And he said, you've been doing that. And that's, that's a right and good thing. Remember that. you stood firm for the message, you've stood firm with other believers, and you've stood firm in personal loss. I mean, he says there, you know, you've accepted the confiscation of your property. Uh, historically, what happened, many of them lost all that they had because they had started following Christ. And he said, you've stood firm in that. The, the reading of that would make you think that they've come to the conclusion, that is a good conclusion, that is things are things. You know, and we, we like them. I mean, we don't want to lose them. But they had the heart here that it's just things, that there is a greater possession, there is a greater and eternal reward that matters a whole lot more than just the things that I have. And he says, you have stood firm in that. He says, so don't lose heart, don't lose confidence in this. Keep persevering because you have remembered. Remember what God has done. I mean, that's really what he's saying. Remember what God has done. And since he has done this, stand. Stand firm. And as I was looking at this and thinking through what it looks like to be a person of faith, I also was thinking about people around the world and and praying for people around the world who have to stand firm in their faith. Every day, all the time, in ways sometimes are much harder, much harder than we have to. And I wonder, how do we pray? Well, part of what we pray, I believe, is remembering to stand firm. Because of the supremacy of Christ and all that he is. I have a a short little video here. This is a pastor. He's standing actually right at the border between North and South Korea. And he leads us in a little prayer. So if you'll watch him just for a moment.
3: So I'm standing right now right at the uh, border with North Korea. I can look right across there and see into North Korea. Uh, Behind me though is a old church building, so where I'm standing actually used to be North Korea. And uh, just 70 years ago, uh, this was uh, a church building in North Korea and it was destroyed by uh, communists and uh, all kinds of torturing and killing happened inside this church building. Um, the history actually behind this church actually goes back before even communists take over because when Japan was ruling here and the pastor at this church refused to participate in shrine worship, the pastor was martyred. And so right behind me is just a a picture of faithful saints who over the last century worshiped Christ here and uh, paid for it with their life. And it's a reminder of church buildings like this all across North Korea. So they estimate there's about 3,800 church buildings in North Korea that used to be standing there, all of which are destroyed, or some of them are used as communist training facilities. Um, so I just, uh, I wanna ask you to join with me in just praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Korea right now. and. F- for the church there to rise up again. I was just preaching this morning from Matthew 16 uh, here in South Korea on uh, the gates of hell not being able to prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so would you just join me in praying for just a minute, God, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Korea. God, we pray that you would strengthen them, that you would uphold them with your righteous right hand. God, that you would help them in every way is their worshiping in secret? As some of them have been exposed and are in labor camps right now. God, we pray, please, please strengthen them, sustain them. Please help our brothers and sisters, Father, to know that they're loved, that we are with them, that we care for them. God, we pray that you would strengthen them in their faith. You would help them to hold steadfast in their faith, that you would enable them to speak amidst the threats around them to speak your gospel with boldness. We pray for your provision for their families, God. We pray for kids with parents in labor camps that those kids would know your love for them and the truth of Christ. That it's worth it. What's happening from their mom or dad's life, God? We, we pray. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters, and we pray that your church would uh, stand strong. The Thousands, many thousands of believers that are there right now across that border, God, that you enable them to stand strong and proclaim the gospel even when it it costs them everything. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. I mean, that that is so hard when you hear that. And and so so many things. Uh, North Korea, in case you didn't know, it is at the top of the list in the world watch list of persecution. Uh, for, against Christians, but even the last couple of weeks, actually, I've gotten some things from Voice of the Martyrs and Open Doors, this was from Open Doors, um, some things are going on in North Korea that, it, that is astonishing, because at one point, uh, they weren't sure how many Christians, actual uh, followers of Jesus were in North Korea, it was a handful, in the, in the small hundreds. Uh, maybe two or three hundred that, that were known. And at this point, right now, by the grace of God, that number has grown. Uh, he, uh, he just said in the thousands, they, they believe there's 10,000, maybe 15,000 at least who are strong followers of Jesus. And there are many more who are probably in China who've gone across the border just to escape uh, the persecution and also the famine that's going on. And so God is at work in incredible ways. Uh, there Another place, just so you know, that God is, is at work, as hard as it seems, Iran is a place, there's a lot of persecution, it's been in the news and everything else, but uh, one thing has happened, uh, the number of Christians back when, uh, in, I think it was in 79, when the Ayatollah, the whole thing took over there, uh, there may have been three or 400 known followers of Jesus at that point. And, and it looked really grim, and it was for a long time. Uh, just uh, this week, I got a thing from Voice of the Martyrs and also Barnabas Aid. They, ta- they both talked about Iran and what God has been doing there. Uh, their estimates are not sure exactly how big, but there may be well over a million followers of Jesus now in Iran because God is a work. When I mean they have understood and those few who were there, they remembered who they were. And as we as we pray, God will continue to do a great work. Yes, it's hard. But we pray and we pray that they remember standing firm. You know, at any point of our life, we are asked to trust God to be at work in our lives. Everywhere we go, everything we do, that that's what we're asked God is working for our good and for his glory. I believe that absolutely true. And so when persecution comes or when hard things come our way, it just becomes another way for us to wholly trust him. I mean, I think that's the point of Hebrews as he writes here. This passage is to remember what faith is like. What it means is that I am willing to trust him absolutely with my life. So the next remember here is there's a remember standing firm. He says, remember then how to live. As he looks here very, very quickly, very simply, verse uh, 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Okay. Uh, the, The first thing I have there in remembering how to live is just remembering that we have a confidence in Christ because of who he is. See, we have a hope in him, that, that confident expectation of who he is, and he is at work. And, and he is. He is faithful in absolutely every way. He's declared that. the God is faithful. His promise is true. He is not going to forget you. And in fact, verse 23 in chapter 10, he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Remember that. Paul, again, Paul writes in Philippians, at the beginning of Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6, he says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then a little bit later in Philippians, he writes this by the Spirit of God, chapter 2, verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The writer of Hebrews here says, look, remember this. Don't throw away your confidence. Persevere. Hang in there. Why? Because God is faithful. God is working for your good. And don't let go of that. Remember what he has done. Remember to live, that you can live absolutely confident in Christ because of what he's done. And the second part of that is very simply to live by faith. Verse 38, as he quotes here, but my righteous one will live by faith. That's what he's called us to do, to live by faith. In verse uh, 1 of 11, he says this, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, uncertain of what we do not see. Living by faith in his most simple essence is very simply living not by what we see, but what we know to be true. What we know to be true is found in God's word, what he has shown himself to be, what he's revealed himself to be. He's shown us who he is and his faithfulness. And, and so we look at that, not on what we see, because there are hard things. There are evil men in the world. There are things that come at us. But he says, don't, don't live based on that. Live based upon that which is true, that which is by faith. Assurance that God is at work. Living by faith, not by sight. Confident that God will complete his promises. It's a simple thing in saying it but what the writer of Hebrews is saying here look you all have heard this you remember this and I'm encouraging you now live this way because God is faithful Um, I have a magazine here I get stuff uh, this is again voice of the martyrs here this is I'm going to read just a little bit of the story not the whole thing of a guy named Um. he is a pastor in Vietnam uh, with the uh, tribal people and um, as as the story's related, he is captured by authorities, given a very hard time. In fact, in prison for a while, and they were wanting him to recant, to uh, uh, to uh, disown Christ, and he wouldn't do that. <clears throat> and so says this: after a month of failed attempts of persuading him, uh, they got so frustrated frustrated with him, they took him, they bound him up and they took his finger and uh, did ink pad and used his finger as a fingerprint on the confession that he is recanting. I mean, he didn't have, they had tied him up and they did that. And then they took him before the rest of, there were quite a number of Hmong believers in the jail cell there with him, stood him up and said, look, here he is, he has recanted Christianity. And it says here, knowing uh, that, uh, Fa'um said, knowing that most of the Christians spoke among and the police did not, Fa'um said, I want to let you know I am not wrong. They forced me to give my fingerprint. Jesus is true, and I want to continue to be a Christian. It is up to you if you want to to continue to believe in Jesus. For me, I won't deny him. And what happened after that, all the Christians, they stood up and clapped and cheered. And the officials knew he didn't say something that was helpful to their cause at all. Uh, But they they had to let him go, actually, because they had the signed confession. They let him go. And the rest of the article, um, he continues to go on. He says, I praise God. uh, The police beat me and persecuted me. uh, But then they let me go. And he goes on and he tra- travels to several other things, to uh, several other villages, and his last, the last uh, uh, paragraph of this article, Fa um fully expects to be imprisoned again. But he knows that if it happens, God will use the experience to grow his church among the Hmong people in Vietnam. <laughs> what an incredible story of a man, very simply, who says, I, I trust Christ. My confidence is in him. I'm willing to live by faith, not because of who I am, but because of what Christ has done. Remember standing firm, remember how to live. And then as the writer writes here, he gives this whole chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Fame of of Faith. You look there and he writes all these people that have lived by faith. I mean, he's He goes with Abel and Enoch, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, uh, Joshua, Rahab. Then he jumps on and then he uh, talks about Barak and Jephthah and and Samson and and then David and and Gideon. And then a little bit later, he doesn't name them by name, but you get the idea. You're pretty sure he's talking about Daniel and about the, the three guys who were thrown in the fiery furnace. He talks about some others of the prophets and some there most people would believe he's probably talking about Jeremiah and possibly Isaiah. And, and he's just saying, look at these people. They are all willing to live by faith. I have, a, I have a picture in my office. It's hanging there. Someone gave it to me. It's called The Legacy by Ron DeSiani. And there you see the picture. It's a picture of someone standing and, and preaching. He looks better than I do. But uh, behind them this whole host of people who have gone before who have stood firm. And and it's it's a picture that reminds me over and over what a great amount of people down through history have stood so firm in the faith. And and that's what I want to be. And I'm I'm sure that's what you want to be as a follower of Jesus. That's what the writer of Hebrews here, he says, look, look at these people. I want you to see what uh, has happened in their life. And use them as the example of, of living by faith. And coming to the last remember. And it's to remember Christ. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these people here. He does talk about, you know, throw off the sin that so easily entangles and all of that. But, but for the focal point of where our faith is, it comes on Christ. Now, he says, look, remember Obviously, we're not going to have faith in ourselves. We understand that. That's a, that's a bad way to go. We're not going to have faith in our circumstances, even if they're good. And I would suggest we're not even going to, not to have faith in our faith, but to really have faith in Christ. That's what he's saying. Remember Christ very simply, verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Remember Christ because he has completed our faith. He began it, he finished it. It is all about him. Remember, the writer of Hebrews is reminding them the superiority of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. He has done it all. And they're reminded of that. He says, so remember that. Put your eyes on him. Look in that direction. As you're growing in this life of faith, put your eyes on who Jesus is because he has completed your faith. He has endured the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin. The point here is especially that he knew what it was like to suffer from evil men in a fallen world. Jesus understands what's going on with our brothers and sisters around the world. I believe it saddens him greatly, but he understands it. He knows what's going on in your life. You know, for those of us here, those who are online... You know, the hard things that we face, things that we don't understand, Jesus understands. I believe that completely. When he endured the cross, he showed that he was standing firm. Absolutely. And in that, God worked great things. Remember Christ. He completed our faith, he endured the cross. and. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't lose heart. You know, God did not forget his son at any point. God's not going to forget you. I don't know if you heard or remember what was said in the first video there, Pastor Fossil praying that we will not forget who God is. God has not forgotten us. A little later, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's, that's the heart of faith. We live by, by faith that he will not let us down. The, the passage of Hebrews here, the heart of faith, very simply, is remember what Christ has done. Remember living by faith that you can trust him. Because you know, all these people, he, he said here in chapter 11, he says this, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made complete. They didn't get everything, but they were willing to put their faith in God, in Christ, and live that way. That's the heart of faith. That's the point of the passage. Life can be hard. People may treat you unfairly. Uh, People might persecute you. Uh, jobs might be lost, sickness might invade your body. But through it all, and I believe this absolutely in what he says here, that a true and loving God is at work. And so our perspective needs to be not on what is just going on here right now, but on the eternal. That's what he's talking about. I mean, this is how we're to live. Simply believing, I came to Jesus by faith alone. Now I choose to live each day, each moment by faith in him as well. And I think relating it to last week with Pastor Mark and that passage in Romans, I believe this is absolutely true. When I make the choice to offer myself to God, it includes the heart that says I choose to live by faith. I choose to live and look at life from an eternal perspective. I choose to look at life Believing that God is at work, and I choose to believe that I can trust him at all times and everything, even when it is hard. And so again, just like last week, we come to a place where we have to make a decision. Will I choose God? Will I be willing to live by faith? And not just the things I see around me. I have one more video. And that's how I want to conclude. It's a song. It's, it's about a song that many of us know. I have decided to follow Jesus. It's the story of that and what happened in light of that song.
4: true story of a small village in India. And in this village, there was this family that came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This agitated the village so much, and everybody became so upset that an angry mob gathered and shoved them into the public square. The village chief confronted them, and he said to the man, if you and your family will not recant your faith, You all will surely die. The man didn't know what to say or what to do. And so the only thing that came to mind for him were the words of a song that he himself had composed when he had first surrendered his life to God. And so he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And with that, horrifically, his children were killed.
1: I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning
4: was given another chance, this time with his wife's life on the line. And yet he continued to sing, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back.
1: Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though
4: After her tragic death, he was given one final opportunity, this time to save himself, and yet he continued to
1: sing.
4: that man and his family died on that day something remarkable happened a seed was planted in the heart of that village chief a seed that began to grow over time and eventually he called the community together in that very same neighborhood in that very same square and he renounced his former faith and declared his allegiance to Jesus Christ And a celebration broke out in that moment and the gospel began to flourish and to grow in that community, not just in that village, but across the whole region because they had seen real faith and they knew the true character of God because of a family that believed and sacrificed even under the penalty of death.
1: And
0: at uh, what the writer of Hebrews said here. He reminded us. He said, look, you need to remember. Remember who you are in Christ, what he's done. Remember to live by faith and here's the example of it because you're remembering Christ. And we can sing then. We can say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I mean, after all, this is what he wrote here. Remember this, that the righteous will live by faith. Father, we thank you for our time together here this morning. We continue to pray for our dear ones around the world. Help them to stand in you, to remember you. And God, help us give our heart to you entirely. No turning back. No turning back. In Christ's name, amen. Now go and serve the Lord and live in faith this week.